If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. The First Lady of New York Radio, Joan Hamburg. Entertaining and informative. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome, everyone, and I want to share a play that I saw recently. And one of the most, well, can we use the word heartbreaking, emotional, real, something special on Broadway, the new Tom Stoppard play. And it's called Leopoldstadt, and I learned that is was the name of a Jewish quarter in Vienna where this play took place. And you meet in the beginning of the play, which I think is 1899, Aaron Neal, who plays Ernst, who is a Christian married to Wilma and... Aaron, I want to make sure I pronounce her, her name right. So you do. Her last you name. do. Thank you. Yeah, you've got that perfectly right. In fact, uh, you've got uh, pronunciations that it took us uh, three weeks in rehearsals to to align on. So your instincts are very good. <laughs> so I'm I'm really glad. But tell me a little bit about this play. <clears throat> we walked out of the play so moved that. You know how usually you're yakking or talking when you're out right. play, you're running, grabbing a cab. We couldn't do that. We yeah. felt we had to go and sit down somewhere, again, having just gotten up. Mm-hmm. And we had to digest the impact, especially at this time in our own history. Right. It's like Stoppard, for his own emotional well-being, I'm sure the play was incredibly important to him in many different ways, but Mm. for everyone in an audience with what we're going through in this country, the diversity, the sometimes turning our eyes away from the reality of what's happening. So I'm curious as an actor and your character too, and we follow you and your family through unbelievably good times, a total assimilation for Mm. this population to extraordinarily difficult, horrendous times that are part of history. So tell me where this happened to you when you were called for the part or your agent or something. How did it happen? Well, in my personal journey through it is is interesting because I saw it announced and I thought, well, Tom Stoppard play, Leopold Staff, it's about uh, the experience of being a Jew in Vienna. Well, I'll, I'll, I'd love to go and see that. I'll obviously never be in it because I'm, you know, I'm not Jewish and uh, I'm a person of colour. And then the call came to audition. I was a little bit bewildered. And of course, Tom being Tom, he has approached this incredible story with as many perspectives on the stage as possible. And one of them is a character who is a Protestant doctor, who is a friend of 
Freud's because uh, all of these people are sort of bubbling around in the milieu of Viennese society. And he marries into the family. He marries in <clears throat> to one of the two families we focus on. And so the first scene you open on is this sort of uh, mixture of religious and cultural influences. It's a family primarily of Jews. One of them has converted to Christianity, so they have a Christmas tree. Um, there's a doctor who's married in. And it strikes me that it's very typically Tom to include almost every perspective he possibly can on an issue through the very many characters on stage. So for me, it was, uh, it was, um, it was kind of a, a, an unexpected joy to be cast in it because I thought the play was magnificent when I read it and um, that it has a space for me who is not a Jew is um, kind of personally thrilling and I think Tom, to be fair, is making the point that the story of the Jews in the 20th century is humanity's story, not just the Jews' story. And the idea that the, the unspeakable tragedy of the Holocaust was something for Jews to talk about is, to me, obscene. I mean, it seems like the architects of that tragedy were all Gentiles, and therefore it is our reckoning and our shame. Um, I think, anyway. Right. And to see this family at the end of 1899 and we open we there's this incredible christmas tree in the midst of this jewish family in fact <laughs> life must be so confusing to these little jewish children that one of the uh, children in the beginning of the play actually puts like the star of david or a jewish symbol on the top of the I tree know. And quite, you know, yeah, yeah, go, go ahead. I was no. just say it's quite gloriously funny, and um, and we 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 negotiate that every night where the audience sit down to watch what they feel, what they have been told is, you know, in air quotes, Tom Stoppard's Holocaust play. So they sit down with a very sort of serious uh, uh, expectation, and they open on exactly on the scene as you described this sort of crazy mixed family Christmas that would be familiar to so many of us who have been to different, had different cultural and religious influences. And the poor children are incredibly confused. And like you say, one of them puts a star of David on the top of the Christmas tree. And you can feel the audience from the stage. You can feel the audience, uh, their relief at their permission to laugh, that this journey is going to be funny and, and full of life. And, um, and, uh, and, and enjoyable, that the family are going to be enjoyable to watch. I, and I'm always moved by the fact that we often meet these people at the end. You know, in, in our culture and in our literature, we see mm -hmm. people in with shaved heads and striped pyjamas, and it seems to me to rob them of an essence of their humanity. And Tom is determined to show you the life before, so as you can acutely feel the loss. So you are going to spend 20 minutes in this sort of riotous, witty, crazy, funny family Christmas um, to start with, which I think is a quite a wonderful trip on his part. Right, and you have love interests, and right. is, right? You, ha you have it all. You yes. have gorgeous food, and the, the, you look at this, and how could anything happen to this incredible family so right. assimilated yes. into society of Vienna? Nothing is going to happen to them, but history doesn't lie. Well, that, I think, is one of the most powerful messages of the play, is that 
we, you may have thought that the Jews were always under a degree of persecution that simply intensified to a horrific level with, um, with the Holocaust. But, you know, one of Tom's discoveries, or at least you know, one of his uh, things, that, facts that he wants to present, is just how wildly integrated and successful the Jewish community in Vienna were. And the character of Hermann Mertz is very, he's very keen to articulate this, this point. You know, we're only one in 10, but, uh, but we're the doctors and the educators and the lawyers. What does he say? Is that lovely line? He said, uh, my father, my grandfather wore a top, a, a kaftan. My father wore a top hat to the opera and I have the singers to dinner. You know, we write the music. We we pay for the for the for the tuition for the. It, it's so it's so shocking to see how unexpected anything is um, in 1899. And when they're discussing Theodor Herzl's Judenstadt and the possibility of the Jewish state, Hermann's argument is: Why on earth would we want to leave Vienna when we've got it so good? And the question is sort of brutally and tragically answered over the next two hours. Right. And it makes you think, even if you are one of the few who are unaware of what's going on, right. that this happened and this is happening and it can happen during right. these times. You know, um, I was in Germany with some friends not that long ago. And there were, at that particular time, there were uprisings and all kinds of things going <clears throat> on. And we all looked, we said, how, how could that possibly be again? Right. You know, but, right. but our world is very complicated. And it is, which is why this play is so important, not only for the actors, as you point out, how this has touched you and moved you in so many ways, <clears throat> but for Tom Stoppard, who... Yeah. also had to come to deal with his Jewishness and the fate of his family. His grandparents all were killed in the concentration yes. camps. And Tom, as it were, makes an appearance in the play. I won't spoil it for people who haven't seen it. But this is very much <clears throat> sparked by a journey that he undertook into his own past. And, and his, uh, his mother, um, Marta, who took the name Bobby after she married uh, an English um, major and, and, and escaped to England, um, really was keen to hide her Jewish heritage because she thought it was going to happen again. She thought there'd be pogroms in the north of England. And for Tom to do the archaeology, and by happy accident, really, by visiting of a European relative, he asked them, you know, how, how Jewish were we? And... And Sarka, his relative, said, well, what do you mean? We were Jewish. Right. And there is a, there's a character in the play who has managed to evade um, a reckoning with his Jewish past, which is, who is almost a cipher for Tom. Um, and, it's, it, and he's, towards the end of the play, brought to, brought to come to terms with what he's blocked out. This rather beautiful line, Tom was once asked, um, you know, what, what's the key line of the play? And you'd expect him to prevaricate and, and uh -huh. talk around it. And he said straight away, oh, no, I know what it is. I know what it is. He said that the whole reason I wrote the play was this life, you know, um, no one is born eight years old. 
Leonard Chamberlain's life, his Leo Rosenbaum's life continued. But you walk as if you cast no shadow behind you, as if you have no history. And I think that's Tom's reckoning with himself. He always used right. to talk about having a charmed life. And and maybe there is in the play a, a sense of guilt or a sense of atonement um, that he has left it so long to, to reckon with his past. And I think that's what makes it very moving. It's a very vulnerable um, and searching examination of the role of the past in the self. And, you know, he's he's probably critical of himself for leaving it so long. You can feel it in the play. Right. With, without question. And we as we follow him and follow you and i'm just curious the play i have friends who live in london and this was a big deal mm. and were you surprised by were you you were in the london edition i've been yes i've been in it i've been lucky enough to be in it since the beginning so pre-pandemic and then we were closed down during the pandemic, then in the revival, then revival of that production post-pandemic and here. So so I've been in every performance, which is a, a, a kind of dizzying privilege, really, to, to consider. But in answer to your question, I, the strange thing is you, it, it's Stoppard. And I, I keep asking myself the question, who is the, the equivalent playwright whose new play would be met with such anticipation? Um, and I find it hard to come up with an answer, if I'm honest. Maybe Tony Kushner. Um, I, I, there are... He just strands... He stands so tall over the theatrical landscape that, in a way, I, I, I wasn't surprised because, you know, it, it flabbergasted me when I read it. And Tom has such a pedigree. And I, I think that the nature of it and watching it dawn on audiences, just how rawly moving it was because Tom is often known for his witticisms and his flights of fancy, although I think all his plays are desperately moving. But, um, but you know, you expect a workout of the mind. I don't think people expected quite as big a workout of the heart as we, you know, as we had. And, and that response that you <clears throat> articulated, which is, you know, we, we, we all as company members have known this of our guests who've come to see it, which is they're all very buzzy about having a talk afterwards and maybe going for dinner and they come out rather flabbergasted and shell shocked and often in right. tears and and you know unable to speak really, which um, which I'm very grateful for because there would be nothing more obscene than addressing that subject and for it not to hit its mark. And did you know when this started, Aaron, that this when you first read it and saw it that this was in many ways about Tom's history. And even though he says, it's not my family, but it was mm. a family that could have been his family. Well, it's, it's, it's very Tom, isn't it? It's so impish that he writes himself quite sort of obviously and clearly, or at least he says there are aspects that that character shares with him, with himself, but that he writes his family so wildly differently from his own family. And I think, I think Tom being an intensely private person, he, he didn't want the play to be about, you know, he didn't want the play to be gossip, which essentially would be, let's see what Tom thinks of his aunts and uncles. So I think to, review, to remove almost any confusion, 
he creates this rather glorious family. And of course, Tom is from Zlin in uh, Czechoslovakia, and this family is in Vienna. So I think there are other things, as always with Tom, there are other things he wants to explore. He's just very interested in that moment in Viennese history in 1900 where where um, Schnitzler and Mahler and Freud and Klimt were all hanging around this sort of <clears throat> incredible cultural moment. Um, and there are so many threads referencing those people. In fact, you know, the first image of the play, you can see copies of the interpretation of dreams and copies of Judenstadt and copies of Schnitzler's La Ronde um, being read by this erudite family. So I, Tom is just unable and unwilling to cover more than 30 subjects in one play, I think. And that's what makes it quite right. badly. Um, but yes, what, what I think the glorious trick of it was, and I was saying this to somebody as we were warming in the company, as we were warming up, is that they feel like real people. They feel like real people to whom this happened. And of course, they're fictitious characters that Tom has made up and they go to they go to a death that many horrifically went to, but they weren't real. But they feel so real. By the end of it, you feel like you've witnessed a documentary about a family, family almost. Um, and again, I think that's a testament to Tom's skill at weaving a, a tapestry of a believable family together. Right. And uh, to the audience, that family is Tom's family. You right. know, even though he says yeah. it isn't, but... If we're yeah. watching it, the reality of those performances, mm. including yours, Aaron, is that they're real. Nothing can right. take away that reality. We may want to deny it because it's too <clears throat> painful and horrible, but mm. it happened and it's still happening in places all over the world. And I'm sure as an actor, it's incredibly mm. painful too, and it probably occupies a lot of conversation here in America. Do you sense yeah. what's going on here and the diversion, the derision, the differences between various groups and various peoples and the anger that seems to be everywhere, right? It's impossible to ignore it. And there seems to be, uh, I mean, it, 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 it's it's fascinating. There seems to be a vicious othering of people from outside this country. It's almost um, terrifying, the level of scapegoating that's happening. There seems to be complex problems in this country that are affecting people terribly and under huge economic and social pressure. And yet there seems to be one voice coming out of the political spectrum that is viciously attacking a powerless minority uh, and blaming them for everything. Um, and that is, that's just an, un, an uncanny par parallel to what was happening. And I think the most terrifying part of the play is that you join the characters <clears throat> because the play goes through time periods and without wanting to give anything away, you joined the characters on the day of Kristallnacht, the night of broken glass right. in 1938. And on that very day, the day when you know, almost all Jewish businesses were smashed and looted, there's a character in that room saying, no, you don't understand. We're used to this. It'll pass and something else will take its place. And, um, you know, the sense of how quickly we accept the, the, 
vicious rhetoric of essentially fascist demagogues and how quickly we just say, well, this is what they say to whip up their base. They don't really mean it. It, these are just uncannily like the things that were said in 1930s Germany and uh, terrifyingly so because one wants to believe that can never happen again and one looks for reasons why it could never happen again and yet I, I would say as a you know whilst doing this play three and a half years I have seen things happen that I thought would never happen again in the in in the world and so where this is all leading is is such a pertinent question. You know, just the rise of vicious and virulent anti-Semitism um, with no sense of where that has led historically is, is incredibly sobering. Very, very. That's why the time for this play has never been more important. And I, I think, I right? Agree, yes. Yeah, I agree. And you know what I would add is that I'm almost keen to tell people that Tom is just, he's, he's, this is not a somber, dark documentary where you are bludgeoned over the head with a horror that you know about already. That would be just an insult to Tom's ability. It has, I mean, I'm amazed that Tom has managed to put such beautiful, warm laughs into the play that don't feel in any way jarring, but also feel utterly necessary. Because, um, you know, if you want to see the story, if you want to feel the snuffing out of life, then you must feel the life as deeply, as strongly as possible. And like you said, people fall in love and people laugh. And really, the, the first half of the play takes place in almost a completely different world. There is this stuff looming. But it's funny and light and loving and warm and, and and clasps you into the bosom of the family. Sorry, yes. Well, it's quite incredible. Have you noticed the audiences are similar here and in England, or do you sense a difference in the reaction I to the There play? is a difference, and I, and I will say this because probably no one in England will hear this, but they're just smarter here. <laughs> I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's a smart play, and... Um, <laughs> And there are laughs that we have thought always were, you know, if you know the play well, um, there are laughs that you get because Tom is being incredibly witty and that you're making allusions to things scenes previously. And the British audience weren't as vocal, whereas the American audience, they just feel sharper, um, more open, more willing to laugh. There's that wonderful, you know, the expression of emotion, uh, in my observation as an expat here, comes a lot easier to Americans and New Yorkers than it does to us repressed Brits. And hearing both the laughter and a sort of wall of grief and sniffles at the very end of the play. And uh, the other night, a woman, you know, just uh, openly sobbing and crying, not in a demonstrative way, but just overtaken by the play. Yes. It's so lovely to get such a, such a vocal reaction and I hope nobody who watches British theatre listens to this because they'll feel insulted but um, <laughs> it has been my experience <laughs> well they're a little more repressed but we'll excuse yeah, them we'll excuse yeah. them because they're great when it comes to theatre and takes chances on everything you know so right. it's special and we appreciate it all and thank you 
Aaron. Aaron Neal, a wonderful performance and an amazing play. And we've all been pronouncing the name of this play wrong. Yes, I think it's been said as, I mean, Tom's such a trickster because, you know, it's Leopoldstadt is the, is the district. But of course, the play isn't even set there. It's the place that they come from and they go to. Um, right. but the play happens um, in their brief journey out of Leopoldstadt, if you like, uh, into the center of the heart of Vienna. But it is as much a state of mind as a play. It's the, um, it, it, it's the sort of poor Jewish quarter of Vienna that they emerged from and tragically went back to. In the end. I thank you so much. Congratulations. Thank and you we very much, Joan. It's a, it's a pleasure to talk to you. I appreciate it. And we'll talk to you again, I hope. I'm Joan Hamburg, and you're listening to WABC. More to come.